Well, hello, and you're very welcome to another episode of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. Myself, Brett Fierley, and of course, once again, joined by the ever-present, uh, shall we call him, Aaron Clark. I didn't know what I was going to call you there for a second, Aaron. I did a, a, a mind melt, but uh, you're here. You're another week. It's been a bit of a, a break. We took a break, same as the, the league did. But we're uh, back and raring to go again. How have you been over the last couple of days? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the break, the break probably come at the right time. You know, I was looking for a little bit of a break away from football, and then ended up with the dreaded COVID. So break away, break away from the the game sort of helped in that sense. But yeah, listen, enjoyed being back already. Two games, uh, two games last weekend. So no easing, no easing it in, and looking forward to another busy weekend. Absolutely, of course. We're coming to you today at eight o'clock on a Thursday. We made the, the late decision yesterday evening. We just felt uh, we couldn't compete uh, with Love Island. So we waved the white flag, a bit like some of the boys are going to be doing later in the show, I think. But uh, we are here today on a Thursday uh, just to have a chat with you about everything that's coming up over the weekend. To look back at last weekend's results, some big, big talking points, particularly that Monday night game over in the UCD Bowl, which, as you mentioned off air to me, Noel King will have been the happiest with in terms of the results uh, leaving Belfield on Monday evening. But it is, of course, the Cup weekend. And for the first time in a long time, we have junior clubs in the competition. And we caught up with someone who's no stranger to the Cup itself, uh, but now comes back in her role as the goalkeeper with Whitehall Rangers. And that is former Women's National League goalkeeper, Grace McCauley-Ryan. And she joins us now. Grace, you're very, very welcome to the programme. How are you? How's it going? We're great. We're great. But I suppose more to the point, how is it for you and your teammates in Whitehall with just... A couple of days to your first game in the Women's FAI Cup in a long, long time. Yeah, we're we're very excited about it. Um, it's it's a big challenge, I suppose, for our team. Um, I think the games that we did kind of get to play over COVID, and um, we kept ourselves very fairly fit, and um, we're we we have a really good close relationship with most players in the team. I think up until a few months ago, we hadn't lost a game in something like 18 months. But again, we weren't in these competitions, in these senior competitions. So um, this year has definitely been tighter in our in our uh, local league um, where people have gone on holidays, which they didn't do for the last two years. Um, they've gone on holidays and um, so we've we've had to manage personnel and now we're getting to... I suppose we're getting to play against the, the bigger teams and, and the challenges is welcomed. And we've gotten it, we've we've signed a couple of players over the last couple of months from the Women's National League, which is a, a big deal um to to a to a club in the Eastern Women's League. Um it's really what it's all about, getting enticing players to come back down and play local or intermediate football. And in terms of your own cup run, like it was a, you you qualify for this competition by getting to the semi semi finals yeah. Intermediate Cup, also yep. in an Intermediate Cup final as well, having beaten another team who were in the FAI Cup, English United. Yes. What, does the, what sort of preparation does that give you? You know, it, it is a massive step up. We see there's been a couple of times where underrated, I don't should say, Intermediate Clubs have gone on being successful. Remember a couple of years back when the Shelburne second team, they were known as the Shelburne under-18s, yep. got to the yep. Cup semi-final and they played Shelburne and, and that. So what does the sort of, it's a big gap to bridge. How do you bridge it in terms of, the opposition at loan on Saturday and you know, um, how do you prepare for it? It's it's funny actually that you, you talk about that particular team that got that cup run um, because I was playing with St. Catharines at the time in the DWSL and they beat us in this intermediate competition. So with St. Catharines in 2011, I won the Senior All-Ireland in Turner's Cross actually. Um, and I've lost the intermediate cup twice, once with Whitehall Rangers and the other with that under 18s uh shells team they pummeled us uh for Catherine's or playing with Catherine's. it's there's no doubt about it that there's a big step up there but i think it's how the women's national league have gone over the last 11 years as long as it's gone it's definitely uh created more athletes as in it's a very athletic uh competition so speed and um, fitness is massive and um, we would have a lot of ballers, but these are young girls training three or four times a week and all they know is football. And we're very aware of that. But I think when you play in the women's game in, in intermediate football, it's a little bit more physical than what they're used to. And I think we might be able to bring a bit of that to it. 
your own experience, I suppose, you would have played in the early stages of the league, those opening couple of seasons, three or four yeah. years there. Um, what's been the big difference for you, having made that transition, I suppose, from that Dublin Women's Soccer League into the Women's National League, and now been back in that intermediate junior grade again? Um, how has that worked for you? Great. Like, So I'm actually a Waiha Rangers player from the beginning. So Waiha Rangers set up in 2003. I was 15 and uh one at the very first training session on the women's team uh and then i left in 2011 to go and play at a higher level and played in the premier division with st catherine's and won a senior all ireland that year um, and then from there went to shamrock rovers and rohini and the step up immediately was like ah, uh, you know you you just I, I i suppose what the demands were from you because the coaching level stepped up so when it became a national league it attracted in better coaching, better coaching is better structure, better structure, more funding, more funding, better football. Um, and I think that translates into, into our league. Like we're very, we're very lucky at Whitehall Rangers. We have an excellent coach um, of a high standard. And, and that, translate to how, that translates to how we play on the pitch. However, we're all playing intermediate football because we have other things going on in our lives and football isn't the be all and end all, which is which really it's what is what is expected of you in the Women's National League. So that's how I looked at it. I looked at, well, this is brilliant. I have more free time. I can do more things. So I'm on the coach education pathway and uh, I'm also a committee member with the EWFL and the Metropolitan Girls League. So it allows me to be more involved in other things in, in I suppose, bridging that gap between uh, intermediate football and the Women's National League. Dipping the toes in a lot of different places. I like to see that. Uh, Somebody would definitely see with, you know, staying in football when, when, when you do decide that enough's enough in the playing terms. In terms of, you know, you talked a little bit about the players you have, like we see Rebecca Craze there with you now. You've got Joan Daly would have played there as well. I think um, Neve Kennan's gone back as well. Like, People yeah. who've won stuff in the National League as well, like Rebecca's probably one of the most decorated captains, yeah. having led Rohini and Shelburne. Yeah, um, Sinead O'Farrelly signed for us last week as well from Rohini and was with, uh, was with Bohemians a couple of years ago. Um, and like you look at that and, and that's the community of football. They're all my friends that I played with and I've been at them for the last couple of years to come back down. Immediately when I came back from the Women's National League and I went back to St. Catherine's and then from St. Catherine's, I, to, to kind of put it into better perspective, when I went back to St. Catherine's and the coaching wasn't there and the structure wasn't there, it, it was fine. Like I, it was what I expected, but I could see why we weren't, in, it wasn't attracting players who played at that level back in. I think there was a, there was a there was a stage a couple of years ago. I was looking around and I was going. I was part of this Rohini team that uh, went to Champions League in 2013, and with Katie McCabe, Megan Campbell, with Noel, um, Rachel, Pearl, Rebecca, and I was looking going, where like they were the players that were still playing football. Where's everybody else? They just had disappeared. Like they they were doing nothing in the game. So um, I think now the structures have improved in the Eastern Women's League. Um, we're attracting in a better quality of coach and um, we're getting more coverage through the FAI and different media sources like yourselves. And that's helping to, to improve the level of football that we can offer um, locally and hopefully bridging that gap between the Women's National League and uh, the Eastern Women's League. So, yeah, I, I suppose that was one of the big criticisms or the big worries for the junior teams and intermediate teams when the Women's National League emerged back in 2010-2011 um, because they felt that it was going to decimate what was locally happening in each of the yeah. regions around this, the country. Um, so when you lose the Piemonts, the Rohinis at the time, obviously, and others out of that league and players going here, there and everywhere at the time, um, it seems to really have really actually strengthened that league where players are now playing at, at the right level for themselves without yeah. maybe having their Katie McCabe's and whatever, uh, running running games uh, like they were at the time. Indeed, I, like I think the demand is going to be even more because the structures at National League level are, are, are there where they were never before. So now we have um, 17s, we have uh, is it 19s, then we go senior. So we have a conveyor belt of footballers coming off and if that gap is too high, what's going to happen to them? So we need to have uh, proper structures in place at local level to encourage them to come in. 
to encourage them that are, to, are I suppose like kind of get rid of this idea that it's a big drop down like my my friends who I was playing with at Rohini were like I wouldn't play local football like if I'm not playing at the top I don't want to play anywhere and I'd be like if you love the sport you want to be involved it, it doesn't matter in in where you're involved but you want to be involved just on that like for me I think there was a it was a massive stage where the women's section could have tailed off, especially in Dublin in particular. You look at the ladies' game football; it's just gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. We've seen the emergence of rugby now, ladies' rugby, and I think the probably the emergence of the Eastern Women's Football League. It's probably rejuvenated the entire opportunity. In terms of that, would you like to see that maybe the Eastern Women's, the Munster, the Connacht, and the Ulster maybe combine when the National League looks to extend further again to a second tier to have options for these clubs maybe to also progress. Absolutely. Um, like so, the the Eastern Women's League is is a local league in in it it was to replace the DWSL. It was where the Metropolitan Girls League and the DWSL came together and create this new league. Um, I remember looking at the numbers of the DWSL probably four or five years ago, and it was like five six hundred players. And I know now um, that the we have maybe eleven or twelve hundred players playing in the Eastern Women's League ideally um or in my head so i'm i'm on the committee for the eastern women's league um i'm the treasurer on the committee and i have been since the league set up a couple of years ago three years ago and ideally if you had a team in the top division of the eastern women's league from every local women's national league team so that's a couple of dublin teams that's well four dublin teams is it yeah um, you've got four Dublin teams and they were competing at the top level and they had a team inside of that league that if a player, like think about it, the conveyor belt of players that are coming through there from 17s and 19s and they were then, okay, you're not making the first team, but you're you're playing and if you're not making the first team on a Saturday or a Sunday, you're coming and you're playing your 90 minutes on a Monday and then you have proper competition you've got players coming up and down they're not being tied to a specific you know where they were only allowed to play a certain amount of minutes down on the 19s team it just it just improves football for everybody and um, it, it improves the level and then it gets rid of that whole oh well I don't want to play down at that level there's girls who want to be doctors and there's girls who want to be engineers and they're saying to themselves but work is just as important as playing football so i can still maintain this level of football and go and study and go to work and keep in touch with that level of the game as well which is very important you're not you're not leaving those clubs and you talked about the formation of whitehall let's get back maybe to the game at the weekend but also the history of the club and specifically whitehall and rangers and you talked about that 2003 thing and i suppose this idea of bringing in girls from elite levels isn't a new thing in Whitehall at all. It's not about the Sinead Farrelly story last week. No. Um, from memory no. serves, there was a, a bunch came back from the States back in 03. The likes of Jennifer Kett, Joanne Tobin yeah. was in there as well for a while. Yeah. There was a few other that kind of ilk with international experience, oodles of uh, women's FAI Cup medals to their yeah. credit with Shamrock Rovers maybe yeah. six, seven years before that and that big run that Rovers went yeah. on under Simon Bradish. Um, are any of those girls still involved or is it a whole new generation within the club? Jenny is still there. Obviously, she's very active in the team. Um, and I think kind of over the last... Is she still filling a jersey? Is she still lying out? She does, yeah, she does. No, she's... And she's well able to get around as well. Not a bother to her. Um, it's more kind of looking after your body, at the injuries that you've picked up. And Jenny was an international goalkeeper, so she still holds a lot of... The, she still has a lot of injuries from then, you know, from her playing time then and then going on and playing outfield uh, at Whitehall Rangers since she joined us um, but no like the, the girls who've come to us they've all only come to us in maybe the last six months before that we have had we've developed really nicely developed the squad really really nicely a really close bunch of girls with some some excellent coaching like honestly like I said I've I am a coach I'm a UEFA B licensed coach and I have a uh, I have coached women's teams and I've worked with some of the best coaches in the country, but I can tell you John Morgan is one of the best that I've ever worked with. High, high price, especially considering you've worked with quite a lot of a lot of good coaches. In yeah. terms of you talk about the, the coaching structures and stuff like that, like is it just the case that with at this level, maybe the, the coaching has adapted more to what you need rather than at the National League, you see everything's high-paced, high-intense, everything's drill, 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 where... Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the difference in sort of like, you know, like when you're training and things like that. Um, 
I think a lot of what we do is ball work. We work on transitioning a lot. Um, I would say that there's players on our team that don't have a deep understanding of football, you know, as I say I would, having had lots of training and having had lots of team talks and working off the working with statistics and you know being shown things on boards and have you know really detailed stuff that we do in the women's national league or that we have done and there's players that just need to be told what to do so our training ses- our training sessions really are about maximizing what we can do with the personnel that we have um, in a very fun way but it's very very effective and there's a huge psychological part of what John does that I haven't really seen in in many other clubs that I've looked at where he kind of sometimes antagonizes you on the pitch to see what your reaction is going to be to ensure that you don't do that when you're on the pitch uh, playing football but um, in terms of what we see now in the women's national league and, and how I look at it now it's very much they're trying to build machines and then whoever has the most naturally talented players are the ones who are on top yeah and then they go and get shipped off and then it's okay how are we going to deal with what we've lost for a little bit um and i don't think that there's players well maybe there is players falling through the gaps you know proper you know really ballers that are falling through the gaps there but um it's completely different it's such an athletic league as opposed to being, you know, being an extremely creative league. They play, they play exactly how they're told to play. There's been some games when I look at teams who are, you know, pushing for fourth place in the league, um, it's like they don't know what to do in the final tour because all they've been doing is working on defense and transition. And then that final part never seems to happen for them. But it, super athletes, absolutely super athletes. In terms of the game at the weekend, obviously Athlone coming up to Dublin to, to face you. Uh, how much do you know about Athlone? They've had a couple of very good wins this year. Um, does it bring any intrepidation for you going to a bit of confidence? No, I think all we can do is play our game and not worry about them um, and hope that on the day, if we play the way we're able to play, they're in trouble because, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a different... Football is different at intermediate level. Um, you get a lot of space in the Women's National League where, you know, people will they'll step off you. Well, they'll, they will hunt in packs, but they'll step off you. But they're a little bit hardier in, in our leagues. Uh, the women are. They're used to kind of getting stuck in, putting in the tackle. Um, and I think that might take them a little bit. Maybe they'll underestimate us. I don't know. But... We don't worry about them. We won't, we worry about what our tactics are, who and what personnel we have available to us on the day, and uh, we give it a hundred percent. I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but when you talk about you know you look at there was a picture on social media last year where your your the access to your training facilities were blocked because of tires on the road. You know yeah. they're going to come in where they're going to come in a little windy little road into the facilities. Yeah. Maybe they're not used to. Is that sort of maybe an advantage you having the game at home and? not having it away like because some people could have said maybe you could have moved the game to say talk park or something like that but yeah. having that in your home ground your facilities where you're used to yeah i think like yeah i'm gonna say absolutely but we we still play on the same pitch and we're still in a very open windy um god if you came to see our game the other night the wind and and what it did to the game that we played seven goal thriller against saint patsy why on monday night um and the wind had it played an absolute riot on, on well, I think mainly on, on our team. But um, it is very unusual, isn't it, for a team in Dublin that close to the airport to have a nice windy little road that you can't fit down in tyres. I, I believe most of the tyres have been um, moved on or moved out of the way, but it is a, it's a, a general dumping ground for people who are trying to get rid of that stuff. I do think that may have a little bit, a little bit of an advantage for us. But um, again, we just look at ourselves, give it 100% and, and uh, hope that does us on the day. Refni, just for a little bit of context for yourself, it's one of these pitches at the back of the airport where Parnell's GA Club and Nafina and all went when the money was good. So it's in and around the back. So it's it's one of them. If it rains very hard, the pitch can be very soft. Yeah. I, I might be a coachy, but I do know Dublin a little bit. Um, Grace, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, the very, very best of luck to you and your teammates on, uh, I think it's Sunday you play 
this uh, then, and uh, so hopefully uh, maybe we'll see a, a, a giant kill in, in the first round of the FAI Women's Cup at the weekend who knows it might even be Whitehall Rangers into the second round of the cup on Sunday afternoon Grace thanks so much for joining us no worries thanks lads cheers guys Grace McCauley there, uh, McCauley Ryan, should I say, there, uh, joining us uh, for... Roughly, uh, just, before uh, we, just before we move on, I've just yep. done a little bit of digging there. The intermediate semi-finals of the ladies' football are on on Sunday. Yeah. Clare play Leash. There's players from Clare and players from Leash involved in the Athlone team. Could be a bit of a, a, a dodgy weekend for Athlone if, that, well, if the players have been missing. Things things do happen. Uh, you never know how what it'll go. Maybe it'll all work out in favour of the uh, the junior intermediate side on Sunday afternoon. Time will tell. We'll talk about the FAI uh, Women's Cup later in the uh, in the show. We'll be more than uh, happy to hear. We'll be previewing most of the games before we finish up. But first, let's maybe turn our attention back to the games. Uh, we start with, on Monday. We'll go in reverse, Conrad's Glory. You were in the Belfield Bowl for that clash between DLR and Piedmont. Won all the final score there. Um, your thoughts on the on the game? Piedmont were at stages we were good. They were decent at stages, you know, the good spells. They they lots of times already tested Ibandana. Ibandana just doing what Ibandana does against Piedmont. She just seems to have world-class games against them every time. She puts save after save after save. Then obviously Stephanie Roach missing the penalty well before half time for Piedmont wasn't good. You sort of knew where she was gonna strike and the way she lined up and Eve made the save, same corner. She saved the penalty from Teague in, in PRL Park last season in the game that was on TG Carr that turned out to be costful. But when the always took the lead, you know, you wouldn't have said they didn't deserve, they didn't they didn't necessarily deserve it. It was a nice headed effort. They they pressed and pressed and pressed. But when P Mount sort of they tried to huff and puff, but you can see Graham Kelly, he he was conscious of, of his of his players being tired against P Mount because they're having to work hard. He actually used the full the full complement of subs, which you don't see often in the women's national league. You know, he, he brought players on. Louise Corrigan made her first appearance of the season. I thought she was good, the, apart from the penalty which she gave away. In terms of P mount, um, good resilience. If they'd have lost that game, it would have been it would have been massive. Like I was listening to James in his post match huddle after, and he's just telling the players, "Listen, we're so far behind. Play with freedom. You know, trying to get them to not play with the shackles and think of the points tally that they have. They've got Shell running the league in a couple of weeks." After 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 the cup, so that can be an opportunity for them. But I just think for for Piedmont, it was it was good resilience in the end to, to get the, the 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 draw. Your your player Miss Leitrim, Derv LeBurn, with a a lovely headed a lovely headed effort. She couldn't have put it anywhere else to be Eve and Dana. Eve Eve said it herself. It was just a beautiful header, and Derv put it into the back post. Last play of the game to to, to snatch a draw for Piedmont. Yeah, she might not thank you for calling her Miss Leitrim, but that's uh, but yeah, she is a Leitrim woman, and we're very, very proud of of what she gets up to on the national stage. Um, we hear from some of the people involved in that game. Maybe uh, we, you spoke caught up after the game. Do you want to maybe intro them? Yeah, first I, I spoke to I don't know which which order you're going to go in, but I, I caught up with James McCallaghan, Graham Kelly, and Eva Dana. He was sort of very shy talking. Graham, Graham was Graham was he was happy and he wasn't happy at stages. And I think James McCallaghan, you can see his frustration in, in itself that. They just didn't get going the way you would have wanted. Well, let's go in that order. First up, James O'Callaghan. With Piedmont United boss James O'Callaghan. James, a one-all draw, but I think the fight laid on, you'd be happy with just how your, your girls didn't give up in the injury time to, to grab the equaliser. Yeah, listen, I suppose when you get an equaliser in the injury time, it kind of has a little bit of a feel-good factor. But, you know, we missed the penalty in the first half. We had some good chances at times. Um, but I suppose then when DLR did take the lead, it became tough. But, uh, so we're just delighted, I suppose, equalise in the end. You had chances though, even when they did go one up, even Dana pulled off some sublime saves. She's a bit of a nemesis against against your girls. Yeah, every time we play DLR, I think she gets player of the match. Um, she had she had a good game. She obviously seems to be in the right place, at the right time. In terms of in terms of the performance itself, you know, at times you, you were getting on the ball quite well, and even in the first half, but just couldn't get that clinical edge or that final pass. Must be a little bit disappointed just with that. Yeah, listen, there were some good passages of play by, by Piedmont, um, probably just lacked that little end product at times. But, uh, you know, it's probably, I suppose, a little break as well. Probably has a little bit of rusty as well. Going the same for both teams as well. But uh, so we just look forward to our next match now against Fingers. 
bit of a different task because maybe if tonight's result had gone well, you may consider putting out some of the younger players, giving them an opportunity. But maybe it's a chance for some of the players who, who probably need the extra minutes as well to play more and get more sharpness. Well, yeah. Well, listen, you can't underestimate um, fingers either. They're a good side, doing very well in the league. Um, so you know, we have to see what happens. Brilliant, James. Cheers, Tom. All right, thanks. This disappointment with just how it ended in control for a lot of that game and yeah. just couldn't get it over the line with a, a yeah. last minute header yeah it, it's it's a signal you know I was at 94th minute you know 20 seconds left on the clock or if even I think we were in injury time in injury time and it's a tough one to take but we can be proud of the performance because as you say we were in control of the game for a long long period I thought we were the better side on the night uh, and it's probably two points dropped but look it's I've said it to the girls it's a third game unbeaten you know and I'll you know, two of them are draws, but you've got to take the positives out of that performance. You, you know, it wasn't long ago where Piedmont were beating us 8 0. So we've got to take the, the positives out of it. It's a tough one to take now, but we have to put it behind us and get ready for Treaty on the Cup on the weekend. In terms of the performance, at times they peppered your goal in the first half. They had multiple opportunities after opportunity. Headers cleared off the line, efforts cleared off the line. Yeah. Great saves by even in the second half. They had a little short spell, yeah. but your defence held tall and they, 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 they stood up to it, and it was a you know, when the opportunity then came for Kay for Katie Malone, she took her she yeah. took her header. And look, that's you know, when you're playing a top side, they're going to create chances, and they did that. And as you say, you have to defend. Defending is a key part of the game, so we have to defend, and we did that in like really, really well tonight. Um, first half, I thought we were quite good, and they had that ten minute spell when they got the penalty that they really got into the game. And then, as you say, just coming towards the end there, they lifted it again. And yeah, look, as I say, our goal was a great goal. Sarah McKev does really well. Katie Malone picks up a great position and brilliant header. So, yeah, disappointed now, Aaron, but look, we'll look back on it and we'll take the point. And, what do you say to the girls, especially after such a. You just tell them how proud you are of the performance, and that's all I said to them when we were in a little huddle there. Tell them I'm super proud of the performance, the work rate, the attitude, the commitment. Like the girls were superb from, from 1 to 15, 16, whatever it was we used, they were superb. And that's all you can tell them is that. You know, we haven't got time to dwell on it, which is good, Aaron, because we have a massive cup game that we have to prepare for. So training now is all about treaty, and uh, we think about the league in two weeks' time. Talk to me a little bit about the idea of using the five subs. Was it just a case of just trying to keep the players fresh while keeping the P-mount on their toes? Yeah, like we have a squad. You, you, you see our squad there, our bench is so strong. You know, you're bringing on players like you know Rachel Doyle, Sophie Waters, Fiona Donnelly. You're just bringing on quality. Um, Olita Griffin's gone in and, and been superb for, for Louise. You know, Sophie Waters goes in and out, plays out of position. Avril Brearley going in. Like, Avril Brearley's our top goal scorer. And she's going in. So we have quality in the squad. And with just fresh legs, you know in a game like this, players are going to get tired uh, because of the much work that they have to do. And uh, it was just, that was all it was, just fresh legs to try and keep Pete pin Pima back a bit. Was it a brave call to start Louise Corrigan considering she hasn't played for so long? No, because she's training superb. You know, she, she's been superb in training. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, she played in the friendly last week. She, she was outstanding. Louise is a top defender. The penalty, I couldn't really see it from my angle. Um, I don't know whether she gave a little shove or not, but look, these things happen. It, it, she's probably a bit rusty, but I thought for an hour she was really good. Uh, part the penalty, obviously. <laughs> so. How does this result, does it change your, your mentality going into 3D United? But maybe you might have made some changes or you might have looked at the playing different combinations where, maybe, where now you potentially may not. No, it doesn't change the mindset because, as I say, I'm full faith in the squad. So whatever squad, whatever team we go with on Saturday, if we do make a few changes to keep a, a fresh, full faith in it, whatever team starts, you know, we know we're good enough. Uh, we know we're in for a tough game on Saturday. We know that as well. So we have to just prepare as best we can and make sure we've no niggles after tonight. Brilliant, Graham. Cheers. Dan, you tend to have the game of your life against Piedmont United. We've seen it last year when you drew them out there. Tonight again, another draw against them. Penalty save in both games, but... You showed uh, what, what you're about in terms of your calibre, a lot of great, great saves. Yeah, well, again, it's like it's there's 10 players in front of me. You know, we made five substitutions. Each one had an impact. Uh, so, like, it's, it's you know, honestly, it is. It's a team match. They just make me look good most of the time. But um, to be honest, I think we're all just mentally, we are up for this match. Um, it's always a tough one playing female. So, you know, really, really stepped up today. And the fact that coming off the back of a break as well, it was a really good performance on your side. Could have had more as well, probably a little bit disappointed not to add to your, to your one goal. Yeah, again, to be honest, there was lots of sniffs there. Um, you know, unlucky with some, uh, Nemo made some great saves as well. So it's, you know, we just, we, got, we have to learn. You know, if we scored another, then we don't, you know, we have three points. Talk to me about the penalty. Uh, uh, you just, you seem to rate it well and get down well and get a good hand to it. 
So yeah, just again, um, went the right side to be honest and just made myself big, basically is half the battle. You were, you were under a bit of bombardment at, at, at stages in the second half, but you know, you didn't didn't wilt, you, you pulled off save after save and you could see how much you were frustrating the P-mount defence. Must be bitterly disappointed with how just the last play went. Yeah, like we are. Um, there's no doubt, you know, we wanted three points, we came for three points. Um, we're leaving with one. Again, full credit to P-mount, you know, they're a good side. They pushed to that last, uh, last second. So, you know, fair play, that's football. Different competition on Saturday, Cup. Another opportunity though to get out and put a good performance in. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, second half of the season, lots ahead of us, cup run, you know, hopefully we start off well. Brilliant, Dave, thanks. Funny you didn't ask her if she thought Regine should get a run at the weekend. Listen, she's the most humble person you'll ever meet. I've had a couple of opportunities to speak to her, camera on, camera off. Every time you speak to her, she's one of the most humble, dedicated people you'll meet. Um, Listen, she's, she's a smashing goalkeeper for a reason, but I think she she's the first even when Eve when, when Regina gets an opportunity, you know, to get behind her as well. And I think that just shows the mod, the model teammate what you want. Um, always always good to help out with help out with our colleagues. I could listen to the Canadian voice uh, for hours as well. Uh, let's look at some of the other games played over the weekend. Of course, uh, four fixtures did go to uh, the wire on Saturday afternoon. Of course that. That game on uh, the Piedmont TLR game was moved because of one of many sets of nuptials over the mid-season break. I know Dora Gorman got married as well. Um, congratulations to her and her husband, uh, Stephanie Roach, obviously got married to uh, Dean Zamber, Bray Wanderers footballer as well. Um, and there was some other nuptials as well. I know you mentioned one or two, Jess, um, oh God, name's getting you right now. Sure Jess Leeson, of course. And Laura Heffernan, they, they tied the knot as well. And there are a couple of other weddings, a little bit more low-key, trying to keep them low-key, but I know one or two coming up. So if anyone associated with the league is having a, a big occasion in the next uh, few uh, few weeks and months, the very, very best of luck to you all on that. But let's look back at the football. Uh, let's start down in Treaty. It's a day to forget for the home side. Shells, they put 10 past a very, very poor Treaty side. Um, there's really no... There's, there's nothing really to take out of this from a treaty point of view, is there? And, and not really much from Michelle's point of view, other other than just the, the two hat-tricks and, and a couple of other goals that went in all over the place. No, El Murray's overhead is probably the, goal, the pick of the goal. But for me, I think there's one massive thing to come out of this game for Shelburne. And when I speak to Noel at the, at the DLR game, you're not excited to Gemma Quinn getting three goals. Hasn't had many opportunities. After coming from junior football last year with Colester, Donnie Carney. For me, she's somebody in the second half of the season that Noel is probably going to need to use and get, get a bit out of. So... Good confidence for her. Great opportunity for her to go and stake a claim. He left Jess Stapleton on the uh, Stapleton on the bench. Alex Cavanaugh was named on the bench, but was it was injured. Uh, Abby Larkin was was away. That's something I do actually want to bring up briefly, and probably going to get crucified for this. But it absolutely, it's a pet peeve of mine when players are named on the bench and then either a not talked to or b not there. The women's national league it tends to happen way too often. I've seen it with several different clubs it's something that as a, as from a media side it's just frustrating because if you've only got four subs you've only got four subs you know there's no problem with that but naming naming six seven when the players aren't even there is it's probably one of the most frustrating things i've seen in the women's national league and we've seen it on a couple of occasions in the last couple of weeks yeah i i don't know what side of the fence i've fallen on one, to be honest because i understand why clubs do it because when you rock up with 13 players and there's two subs on the bench or three subs on the bench or whatever it might be and um, it does give off a very amateur vibe and clubs just don't want to be attached to that so they put in names of girls who are eligible or, or even in i won't i won't name a name right but i was at a different game on saturday and somebody who was named on a bench for a different club and a coach off the club said to me why is she there i thought she was playing with so and so so you know and if people see that as well so that's what i don't like because that to me is what the amateur side think we want you know if you don't have them you don't have them call up in 19s or 17s if you can but just i don't want to get stuck up on that in terms well, of i would agree with giving girls younger girls in the academies or whatever that opportunity that chance even if they've no chance of playing just to be in the dressing room to get that warm-up in to get that kind of a, just awareness of what happens on a match day at the senior level and and blood them just give them that in, make their face more recognisable. The girls kind of will, will warm them a little bit to see them in training or whatever it might be through the, the season. Now, I, I do agree with you on that. But but yeah, it's it's kind of a non-event. Um, is it worrying how 
often this has happened to Trady this year. Yeah, and then you see the, the underage players start leaving, going to Wexford. Then Michaela Lawrence as well, who's who's an underage international who's been sniffing in and around the first team, gone as well to Wexford. That's for me, that's concerning as well that they're they're leaking players out the door. You'd, you'd be a penny for Ashley Meany's thoughts now, considering the players that have, have gone out in the last couple of weeks since she's been there. You'd hope that we're going to see a tight turn in treaty, but it's it's going to be di- it's going to be difficult. And like Donna Reardon has a massive job there. That that result of the weekend won't do them any good at all in terms of confidence. It'll send them even further to rock bottom. And cup game yeah. this weekend, cup game this weekend as well against DLR Waves away. You, you, it'd be hard to know what sort of treaty will show up on the day, unfortunately. Yeah, although a cup run, particularly against a reasonably informed DLR, it would be quite nice if they could get that up and running. Can't see it happening myself, but you never, never know. Another late game, I suppose, everything happening in the last couple of minutes of the match uh, between Galway and uh, and their opponents at the weekend. Two late goals, one, two minutes to go on the clock for Galway. Wexford equalising into injury time. Um, like, you could have forgotten about the first 87, 88 minutes of the match. Shelburne players probably looking at that. Shelburne coaches looking at that being being like, being like beautiful three points drop by, by Wexford when when Galway go one nil up and then all of a sudden, boom! It, deep in injury time, Nicholas in it pops up and equalises. But the thing is, how many times have Wexford done that? They've, they've they've just stayed in the game. The problem with them is at times you need to bury Wexford if you if you have that chance to. Otherwise, they're just like a a, a terrier that they'll just keep coming and coming and coming and. They got they, they got that reward laid on, but interesting to see Labatu with the Galway goal. She's now back with the club, having been in America, same college as Ashley Meany. So, be another great addition to have back for Alan Murphy plus the other girls. He'll be he'll be gradually coming back after leaving certain stuff like that. So, with Galway, it's probably not a bad point coming away from him, coming away from Ferry Carrick Park with with a share of the spoils. Probably just be a little bit disappointed considering they conceded in the ninety second minute, but they scored late on themselves, so probably a fair result. Yeah, they'll be happy enough to have recovered that no more than Piedmont on Monday night. Some other uh, big games, Bows and Shell, uh, Bows and Sligo Rovers did battle at Dalymount Park, and it's kind of been one of those where I suppose Sligo Rovers have been in the position that Bows probably should have been in in terms of the league table, just just maybe leapfrogging each other. But uh, Bows kind of put that to right through the day. They might not quite leapfrog them, but they've closed that gap right down, um, and very kind of predictable in terms of how that game was going to play out. Really, with Bows just. Just edging it on a two-one scoreline. Wasn't the best. Wasn't the, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't the best of game. I think the fact that Bose had all their academy presentations about boys and girls before the game. They announced the women's women's player of the year awards at halftime as well. Sort of got people into the ground as more people into the ground as well, and got a lot of kids screaming and singing throughout the game. And I think that helped as well. But it was overall, it wasn't the best of game of football. A lovely goal from Erica Burke when Lisa Murphy played it long. It was allowed to bounce. Probably slide on the fence. Be a little bit disappointed they let that bounce. It fell nicely to her, and she she buried it into the back of the net. And then when they equalise, it's a nice finish from Gemma McGuinness. Good build-up play as well. But from a, a Sligo point of view, Eva Robinson went wide very very short uh, very shortly before she scored, and that was the warning signs. And then she's got the header for her first goal at Daly Mount for Bowes, uh, a lifelong Bowes fan as well, scoring her first goal in in, in Daly Mount. You could see how much it meant to her. I think. Stephen Feeney's probably a little bit disappointed with the fact that they get the way they conceded because they, they they should have you know should, should got the shot back in order when when they scored and for them they'll be disappointed but for Bowes it was a it was a good three point an important three points especially with with the cup you, you can see the missing Kira Mar Kira Kira uh, Katie Bird is missing as well a couple of other walking wounded walking wounded Sinead Taylor's out out as well after having uh, surgery recently so they're missing players but. Still managing to get that result was a good result for Pulse. Yeah, and of course the final game, Emily Corbett again. How often have we seen that? Lone Town won, whoever they're playing, nil with Emily Corbett on the score sheet. It's almost like a broken record at this stage, but she won't care. I think it's her 12th goal of the season. She's absolutely flying, as are at Lone. They're sitting third in the league, only a single point behind Wexford. I don't think people would have said that you were saying if you said that they were going to be comfortably ahead of Piedmont and Galway. At this stage of the season, and DLR, there's seven points clear at DLR. I think people would have been amazed if you said they'd be in the top five. Never mind one point off second. Yeah, and um, the thing is, they deserve it. The way they're playing, they deserve to be there. That's the biggest thing. It's not as if they're there a lot of the time on luck, or they've just had a couple of lucky results. They've had great results. They've 
they pushed the top sides all the, all the way and, and you know got some very very big results i think from from them you know another win at home cork city danny murphy was obviously happy with uh, a lot of aspects of the performance he, he was putting out on social media that he's seen improvements from his side i know we i haven't read much into this but uh interesting enough cork, cork had to wear athlones away jerseys on saturday evening i didn't really go into much detail but we've seen it happen once or twice in the league of ireland and um, without without going into much detail i don't i don't really want to comment much on it but it's it's another day where a strange thing we could have avoided absolutely absolutely but i think i think in, in the grand grand scheme of things from an athlone point of view they won't really care who's wearing what they're just going out and they're beating everyone uh, that they come up against this year and i think it's been an absolutely fantastic season for them i have to admit i was a bit concerned when i saw jessica hennessy who set their half appear on the right wing to cross the ball it was inch perfect a fantastic volley from corbett and uh, really gave uh, the cork goalkeeper no chance so um yeah listen just, uh, whatever just what? on, on on cork for a second I'm looking at the team sheet. He's obviously put Maria Sullivan back in, in goal. Um, I don't know if Becky Casson was just missing, but he's, he's Maria's captain side as well. So that's an interesting one, considering she was the captain before she went to America. Is it's, it's it's one to watch, but it just shows he he must he, he must trust her leadership. Absolutely. Well, we'll see how that pans out because obviously she'll be going back to the states. Uh, potentially in the in this autumn so uh, she might only have another couple of games really with that side through august before she was back for a september start to the season and um, there was also an interesting uh, i don't have it now I, I actually this is a bit off the cuff now but i, I um i know sligo also recruited during the, the last week or so with a player coming in from Donegal who's based in the states as well she's home on scholarship is that something that's positive for the league when you're parachuting in two or three girls maybe into a side and then they're disappearing again in August, September. He also signed a couple of other, you know, Eve Harron coming in as well, Matlone as well. It's a good signing. Yeah, Eve's been floating around for, for a while, but she was playing Gaelic through the first half of the year. So. The, problem, the problem is, is it's, the same as, it's, the same, it's the same as having a conversation about Gaelic football and bringing players back in from Gaelic football. Like we look at Shelburne bringing in Sarah Rowe last year, she played two games and then back to Australia. You know, you bring her in, you start her against Pima that doesn't work, and then. It's our, is it sort of setting breaking the vibe? It's a it's a tough one because striking a balance between wanting to win games and then wanting to keep your squad happy as well. It's 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 a fine margin. I I I don't know whether I like it or I don't like it, but we've seen clubs have have success with it. Obviously, Bowes Bambi scoring scoring twice to be P Mount has been a thing. Murray O'Sullivan playing for Cork, but then others haven't. Others have gone back and haven't been successful. So it's it's a Bit of a toss of a coin. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not as good. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough one to have a, a real strong opinion on. It's is it great for the league? Probably not. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. I think it's it's probably not long term. It's not a good way to build a league where you're disenfranchising maybe the girls who are here twelve months of the year with by parachuting in a player for for six or eight weeks through the summer. And um, that's the last week's round. Let's maybe take a look at the the league table. Uh, despite no league action, of course, this weekend. But let's uh, take a quick look at the league table as it exists at the moment. And, of course, there you see it in front of your shells. Top of the league after that win last weekend. Uh, comfortable 10-0 victory down in uh, Treaty. They are seven points clear from Wexford Utes. Uh, at Lone, Piemont, then Galway, three points behind the Peas in fifth place. And as you can see, DLR, Bohemians, Leapfrog and Sly Rovers with that result in Daily Mount while Cork and Treaty stay towards the bottom of the table. Aaron, it's been a, it's been a strange kind of season at the bottom of the season for, for Tipperary or for, for Cork and Treaty. Uh, I just We talked about it already. We're not going to bring it up again, but it's just something I, I, I worry for where Treaty are going and how long it's going to take for them to actually recover from what's been going on um, on the field with the club over the last few uh, months. Yeah, it's hard. I have a lot of concerns. I have a lot of concerns and... At least we can see with the Cork management that they're happier with things now than he was than he was before the break, and you can see that he's sort of getting to what he wants to get in. But we don't necessarily see that coming from the treaty side of things, which is concerning for me because you would have thought maybe they'd start to show some sort of progress. The draw against Sligo, there's been nothing really since that. But then again, that was just maybe just an off day for Sligo because they've gone out the week the week after and beaten Wexford, so. It just may have been one of them days, and I think it could become if Treaty got a, a beat a beaten at the weekend, it could become a long 
second half of the season for them where they're just basically playing out playing out their league fixtures just trying to see what they can get uh, it'd be interesting to hear what, what way Donna Reardon is trying to approach these sort of things and just to try and get a bit more in, in context into what's happening with players especially with the underage players just deciding enough's enough because that's strange that we see you know three players from the one club going to a, going to a, a different club within the space of a week Absolutely. Uh, of course, just uh, we did flash up on the screen there some of the, the latest scores in some of the games at the moment. You see Sligo Rovers 2-1 up in injury time against Ballatown in the Europa Conference. Derry City 1-0 down to Riga in the same competition. And that's obviously the first legs, turn legs to happen next week. While Bowes in the Men's National League in the League of Ireland 2-1 up at halftime at Belfield. They're, they're all live, obviously, on finalwhistle.ie at the moment. Uh, taking a, a look towards the uh, one of the uh, latest scores, halftime in the European Championships, score 3-0 to Norway at the moment over our neighbours, Northern Ireland. So um, hopefully the, the Northern Ireland girls can pull one back in the second half. But it's going to be a long couple of weeks for them. Great to be in the Championship. But I, I think it's going to be some tough, tough games. A lot of, a lot of resentment watching that. I'm not going to lie, uh, especially after what happened in Ukraine. It's it's tough to it's tough to watch, especially the North having going to beat Ukraine in the playoff. It's it's a hard bitter pill to swallow, but because we had our, our own destiny in our hand going to going to going to Kiev and just didn't materialize. Now we started the show with the women's FAA Cup draw at the. Fixtures, of course, the first round this weekend. Uh, we have already caught up very well with uh, with Grace McCauley Ryan, who joined us for the first twenty minutes of the show to talk about Wild Rangers chances against Athlone. But of course, there are other games taking place this weekend. Uh, most notably, I suppose the, the non-league sides, Bonnie United, they make the long journey down to Cork, and uh, Douglas Hall, they make the reverse where they come up to Sligo, up to the northwest. Uh, some big, big journeys on Sunday for the teams, the junior teams and intermediate teams taking part in the competition. Of course, Treaty, as we mentioned there a couple of times in the show, they face a resurgent DLR side on Saturday afternoon. Fingless United make the, I suppose, uh, daunting journey to Piemont on Saturday evening, while Bose and Galway will do battle in Dalymount at 6. Um, which of those games stand out for you? Any kind of that you feel will be worth keeping an eye on? Yeah, there's a couple. I think the I think the Whitehall against Athlone is going to be interesting, especially if Athlone do are missing players that may potentially be playing Gaelic football with the All Ireland semi-finals on the weekend for the intermediate level. So that could be an interesting one if a couple are missing on Sunday. It would sort of level the playing field. Plus, as 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 Grace is saying, they've got some good players there. That'd be one to watch. I feel sorry for Bonnegy United. They have to make the trip to Cork for the second time in the space of three weeks, I think it is. They played the All-Ireland uh, Intermediate semi-final down there against Douglas Hall and come up short. So that would have been an opportunity for Cork to watch them. It's, it's a good one for Cork. I think probably the tie around is probably Bowes and Galway. I think Galway come up to Dublin with a lot with a lot of confidence. Bowes will just be saying, can they get a couple of bodies back again and, and can they put up another another good display? I think that's probably the game of the round. Uh, if I was to say, probably... If anywhere to probably be any shots for non-league, I'd say probably the biggest opportunity may come from Douglas Hall against against Sligo. I just think Athlone should be too should be too strong for Boy Hall, but I expect Boy Hall to give it a, a good crack. But I think Douglas Hall being in the intermediate cup final, they they probably be the, the best the best show to potentially get one against away to Sligo. Do you give Fingers any opportunity at all in the PRL Park? It's tough because you're going to have to like Stephanie Roach who was substituted the other day. Who's probably going to want to play. Gonna wanna gonna wanna get some confidence back and get and fill her fill her boots. So if if PML go all guns blazing, it could be a really, really tough afternoon. Plus if they play the likes of Michelle Dunan up top, she's looking for an opportunity in the first team to get a sniff. it's it's gonna be a struggle, I think, for Fingless. And I think if they can keep a respectively a respective scoreline, they'll be happy. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, that might be closer to the truth than Fingers might like it to be. But sure, you never know. These things do happen. It's the beauty of the Cup. We could see one of these non-league sides into the second round, where, of course, Wexford and Shells await the six winners of the ties this weekend. Uh, it's the road to the Aviva, and it all starts Tallis Stadium again. Tallis Stadium again this year. I don't know why I said the road to the Aviva. That's obviously the men's one. But, yeah, Tallis Stadium. Let, let's talk about that for a brief second before we wrap up, because we talked about it a little bit off-air before we started the show, and... We're both fans of it being played in Tala rather than the Aviva because of the atmosphere it brings. You get better chance of filling the stadium and actually making an event out of it where it becomes itself. I was there for the Champions League game during the week. It's a great stadium when there's a good crowd and a good atmosphere. 
Brefney, I was, initially when it happened, I was completely on the other fence. I was completely on the other side of the fence. For me, it was the Aviva. It's a big day out for the girls. But the problem is, is it's that they're at 12 o'clock. How can you expect the Aviva? How can you expect fans to come in if they want to watch both games? You can't because the gap is just too big. It's over an hour between the games. It's tough. Whereas I, I liked last year in the in Tala, don't get me wrong, the year before when PMAT won it, it was it was horrible because there was nobody there with, with COVID restrictions. But last year there was a good crowd. Shelburne made a, a real, real atmosphere and I thought it was great. And do you know what? For me, before we can go back to the Aviva, we must start selling Tala out as an FAI Cup final. That's when we can start to set the benchmark to say we've exceeded the, the capacity that we need to go bigger. I think the fact that the FAI have put tickets on sale now, they're not waiting until November, October to start selling. They're actually starting to put them and they're starting to include them in the likes of emails they're sending out, the fan emails. Are so they're including them in all them. And I think that's a good, it's a, it's a good decision and it's a good thing. But I just think for me, I'd love to see a full Tallah Stadium for a cup final and see what the place is like. Can can we get it rocking? It'd be it'd be unbelievable because we look ahead to the internationals in in September and the Finland game in, in Tallah is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Just a reminder: uh, I think tickets go on sale. I think it's is it either next week or the week after. So they're going to be hot property for people who are looking for them. And that's just a show. That's that's a sample of what what Tala can be like because Tallah is going to be absolutely buzzing that night. I still find it surreal that these games sell out because I have so many happy memories of sitting in games where literally you knew every single person in the crowd. But it's such a buzz now when you go to an international match and the cup final needs to get to that level as well. And you're right, if we can get 8,000 people, 7,000 people into Tala for the cup final, it'd be like the Ladies Gaelic um, 15, 20 years ago when every club in the country brought their underage teams up, regardless of who was in the final. It didn't matter. It was the day out. It was the showpiece. It was inspiring these youngsters that this could be you someday if you get to this level and if you put the effort in you will get to this level and i think it's huge i think every single underage coach in the country with a girls team or with girls on your team should make an effort to get those girls to tala in november for the cup final it's going to be an absolute belter of a game regardless of who's in it you know it's going to be an absolute cracker aaron that's us for the week we're nearly on the hour again we're going to cut it short I don't like seeing those double digits uh, roll over into the hour. Uh, it's been a, a great week. We took it a bit early because of um, Love Island, of course, has affected our schedule. We might go at the 8 o'clock time. We'll, we'll announce it on uh, social media later in the week. But for us, another episode of the Women's National League podcast, here on Final Whistle, for myself, Breffney, and Aaron Clark as well with me. I'm sure I speak on both of our halves, Aaron. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll be back with you again next week. <laughs>